Hey everyone, welcome to Clearview Community Church Online. My name's Clayton and I'm one of the pastors here. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we have live in-person Sunday morning services in four communities, Stainer, Creemore, Wasaga Beach, and Collingwood. Now for everything that you need to know about this church, its programs for children and for youth, and even our local and international efforts to serve our communities, you can go to our website, clearviewcommunity.church. Today we're looking at Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. And I'd like to give you a bit of background uh, heading into this section. So Luke writes this gospel as a way of communicating what is true and trustworthy about Jesus. He establishes early on and throughout the first 12 chapters a few really important and key things that you notice as themes as you walk through Luke. So first, Luke writes and establishes that Jesus is the expected Messiah. Now, a short understanding of the Messiah is that it's the title for the person that the people of Israel were waiting for, who would usher in the kingdom of God. This Messiah would bring this kingdom. And Luke establishes really early on and very often that Jesus is this long-awaited Messiah. Now, secondly, Luke establishes that Jesus, he has the power over death, disease, and evil in the world. As the breaking in of that kingdom of God comes into the world, Jesus begins to drive out all the things that are not welcome in his kingdom, namely death, evil, and disease. And he demonstrates power over creation by things like calming storms. And he demonstrates power over evil by things like driving out demons who are tormenting people. And then he demonstrates his power over death and over disease by raising people from the dead and curing them of incredibly life-threatening and life-altering sicknesses. Now, thirdly, not only is Jesus the Messiah and have great power, but when Jesus comes to establish his kingdom, he comes for the outsider. Throughout the book of Luke, he highlights Jesus's affection towards the people that the social structures and society would deem as outsiders, the people that were pushed aside. These are the ones that Jesus offers his kingdom to first. So naturally, someone who shows up on the scene and causes a pretty big commotion and people begin to answer or ask questions. The experts, they want the answers to these questions. And so the religious experts, Luke calls them the experts of the law and the Pharisees, they have serious questions for Jesus. But they're hypocrites. They love to do religious things to look good, but don't actually have love in their heart. And Jesus calls them out. And so lastly, this theme, Jesus establishes truth. He has no time for hypocrisy. Instead, he calls anyone who wants to be part of the new kingdom that he's introducing, he calls them to be pure, to be honest, and have to have real hearts. None of this fake stuff. So that's the background leading into the conversation today. So with that in mind, let's read Luke's chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. It says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak, first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, nothing hidden that will not be made known. 
What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What you've whispered in the ear of the inner rooms, it will be proclaimed from the rooftops. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do nothing more. So something to to know that might help you if you're just checking into the story, Jesus is on an absolute roll of saying some really hard-hitting things to the people that are following him and those hearing it are a little hurt by it. Recently, he's been in really intense conversations towards the Pharisees and the experts of the law, but now his attention turns to his disciples. He wants things to be as clear as they can, that he has an expectation for them as well. He tells them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. That is hypocrisy. Now, the Pharisees, they're well known at this point for looking really, really good on the outside. They do the right things. They went to the right school. They always dress the right way. They have the good job. They say the right things. They don't say the wrong things. They're they're socially adept and skilled. They're physically capable, but they hold wickedness in their hearts. They're great on the outside and garbage on the inside. Jesus is concerned for his followers. Don't be like them. Don't let hypocrisy settle in your hearts. The Pharisees, they would do their wicked acts in the quiet, but Jesus warns them, what you have said in the dark, it will be heard in the daylight. What you have whispered in the inner room, it will be proclaimed from the rooftops. It's a pretty intense warning, especially to his disciples. If you think that the Pharisees are great on the outside, that secret, their secrets, it's coming out. It will be seen in the light. It will be shouted from the roof. But the question needs to be asked, why are they so focused on hiding these things? And maybe we ask ourselves, why are we so quick to hide the things that we do, to hold secrets that we know are rotting us from the inside out? I'd like to propose it's because we're afraid. Fear. It's an interesting emotion. It's actually part of a good, healthy brain in one sense. When we're afraid to go swimming alone in the middle of the ocean, when we're afraid to jump out of planes, when we're afraid of getting into the water with an alligator, there's a part of our brain that when it fires that fight or flight response from zero to 100, it actually saves us. But fear also cripples us. The same part of the brain that fires is the same part of the brain that fires when we have an opportunity to be transparent, opportunity to connect, or maybe an opportunity to share the real and the struggling things and feelings we're experiencing. That fires too because we're afraid of being known or being judged or being hated, being mocked or being cut off from a relationship. And the Pharisees, their fear, it's there. They loved their power. They loved their respect and their admiration, and they were afraid of losing it. It would change how people thought of them and respected them. And Jesus speaks out against that hypocrisy and fear. Hey, those things that you sneak around with, it will be seen. It will be heard. You see, fear of man is a motivating factor in so many lives, but it never pays off. It never responds. It just keeps feeding and feeding on fear itself. And so Jesus continues in verse 5. He says, I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? 
yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And so Jesus, he comes after that fear in a way that only Jesus does. Don't fear man. He says, fear God. Now he should stop and figure out what does it mean to fear God? Uh, I don't think, and most uh, interpreters and scholars don't think that to fear God means to be afraid of God like we are afraid of a shark in a swimming pool. Especially because one of the most common commands that God gives is do not fear So what does Jesus mean when he very clearly tells us to fear God? Uh, Fear in this kind of ancient world, it encapsulates more than what our typical English understanding of fear means. It's not a spooky movie kind of fear or a fear of the dark kind of fear, but it has a reverence, a note of extreme respect and a deep recognition that God is God and I am not. That God is creator, giver, and sustainer of life and I am not. That God is the one who opens the way to eternal life, and I am not. That God is the one who judges what is right or what is wrong, and I am not. That God is eternal, all-knowing, and all-seeing, and I am not. When you're faced with who God is and who I am not or who you are not, fear is more than just being spooked. It's the deepest form of reverence, recognizing who you speak to and who you stand before. The promise Jesus gives here, it's, it's astounding. Fear God because he values you, because you're worth so much more than those sparrows. Now, sparrows, they're one of the most common bird in Jesus's day and age, and you could typically get two for one penny. Four for two pennies, and if you bought the four, a free one to get thrown in. You get five for the two penny bargain. They're the cheapest and most common bird, and God takes notice of them. Not one is forgotten by God. And you, worth more than the most common bird, worth so much more, God will not forget you. Remember that the eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God, he hasn't forgotten you. He thinks of you. He knows you. And the last reminder Jesus gives us in this passage, he is with you. This is verse 8 through 12. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you're brought before the synagogues, the rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So here's the deal. So far, Jesus has said, don't bother fearing other people, but rightfully and properly fear God. And then remember that you're worth a lot to God. Now we get to another couple important things. There's two things going on, both about how we respond first to Jesus and then how we respond to the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls his disciples to publicly proclaim him as the Messiah. That's why he asks Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, Christ the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And that proclamation of faith leads to salvation. You can accept him as your Lord and Savior or you can reject him. But there's also this accepting or rejecting of the Holy Spirit here. 
Here it's called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now this verse, it's incredibly interesting because it brings up a whole host of questions. What does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? How does that happen? Can I accidentally do this unforgivable thing? Jesus says it won't be forgiven. What's happening here? And so here's what I say. A sin that is that serious is not an accidental sin. It's pretty on purpose. And secondly, here's the best way that I've understood what it is. It is the conscious and wicked rejection of the saving power and grace of God towards men. So this warning, it comes with a promise that when you're called before the community, when you're called to defend what you believe about the Jesus, the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. You are not alone. He is with you. So what do you, what do, you do with all this? Well, I have three quick things uh, to leave you with today. First, the heart matters. It seems to me that Jesus, as he's speaking to his disciples 2,000 years ago, he's also speaking to us today. Your heart matters. How you live matters. The heart in the ancient world, it was the location of all of the decision-making processes of a human. What we choose to do matters. It affects our heart. It comes from our heart. And some of you are listening and you're doing the things in the dark or in that inner room. You are in hiding. There's, there's sins or there's habits and there's processes. There's all kinds of things that are spiritually unhealthy going on, but you hide them. You don't let anyone know about them. The heart matters. Jesus seems to be really concerned about the health of your heart and wants us to allow ourselves to get healthy. But the truth is it comes by bringing things to light. You know, sometimes I meet with people and they talk about getting better, about getting healthier in their life or their faith, but they're unwilling to open themselves up, unwilling to deal with what actually needs to be dealt with or be transparent with anyone. And I find that the secret always rots. A secret never gets better. Yes, it seems like the truth will set us free. Now, secondly, the fear matters. It's interesting. Our, our brains are wired naturally to experience fear. It keeps us alive. But we train our brain to fear the wrong thing. Instead of that appropriate, reverent fear of God, we fear about what people are going to say about us at work. We fear the smallest rejection. And we don't fear what or live like we're afraid or have fear of the God who's the creator and giver and sustainer of life. So don't misplace your fear. I describe it as extreme, reverent respect. That type of fear that's reserved only for God. It only belongs to him. It's not the most respected leaders in the world or the scariest person in the world or the greatest celebrities in the world. None of them deserve the extreme, reverent respect that God does. And neither does a person who can simply hurt your feelings. So live like God matters. Live like he's the one deserving of that extreme, reverent respect. And then thirdly, our help matters. Our heart and our fear matter because those are two of the driving forces in our decision making. We make decisions when our heart is healthy or unhealthy. We make decisions when we are comfortable or full of fear. What we're hoping to build is a healthy heart and a healthy fear. And the promise is that when we are given help for that, we are given the Holy Spirit of God. We are not alone in our life, in our decisions, in our journey. Instead, God promises that he is with us. And I don't know about you, but I need the help. I need the words. I need to know that God is with me, that he loves me, and that he values me. So don't reject 
the help that the Spirit of God gives you. Embrace it and embrace Him. Okay, so there you have it. The heart matters, the fear matters, and our help matters. Today, you've officially navigated your way through one of the more dense and difficult passages of the Bible. It's full of questions, concerns, fears, and ideas, but remember, the heart matters. Let's get that healthy. And the fear matters. Let's get that healthy. And our help matters. Let's make sure that you know him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you that you promise that your spirit is with us. We pray you'd help us to remember that you are the great God worth our extreme reverent respect. You are the God who remembers us. You are the God who sees us and helps us. You are worth our praise and our worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today at Clearview Community Church. If you would like to reach out, have any questions, or just want to connect, you can get a hold of us through our website, clearviewcommunity.church. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.